And welcome in to another episode of the Believe in OU podcast. I'm your host, Sean Forrester, and week two is in the books, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about. I'll start with OU first, but considering the fact that that's probably why you're clicking on this in the first place, you know, hope you leave a review on Apple Podcasts and various other formats that you listen to this on. Also got a YouTube channel if you want to check that out. I'll leave that in the description below as well. So like, subscribe, comment, all those good things YouTubers say. But uh, to begin with Oklahoma, uh, you're playing Kent State. And I'm not going to you know, mince words here. That first half was abysmal, uh, offensively anyways. The defense surprisingly played pretty well. I know there were moments where the crowd or people on Twitter or my live chat on YouTube this past weekend were thinking it's the same old, same old. But when you actually step back and look at things, they only gave up three points. They didn't give up big plays for touchdowns, and it wasn't a shootout in the first quarter. Like The things you tend to associate with past poor defensive performances weren't quite there. But regardless, I know this is Oklahoma, and we believe that we shouldn't give up any positive yardage, let alone points. But I digress. The point of the matter is, offensively, it was a rough beginning. Dylan Gabriel couldn't get anything going. The offensive line was getting no push, couldn't run the football. It was pretty bad. Now, there are reports of a legendary locker room speech to to rile up the team to, you know, make the comeback against Kent State. Well, granted, it wasn't a comeback. Marvin Mims was able to get in the end zone when they went to a hurry-up offense right before halftime and took the lead and never gave it back. My point is, is that second half, team came together, offense started scoring points, they got into a rhythm, and I take that positive away and I look, okay, whatever they figured out, they need to see if they can do this for an entire football game. Because your two gimme games are gone. And we'll talk about Nebraska here in a, in a moment. But you're going on the road for the first time. The crowd's not going to be on your side. They're not going to be super quiet for your offensive line. Regardless of who's in charge of the Husker program right now, that crowd is going to be very loud, very vicious. They're going to want this win more than anything right now. Having said that, what is the issue with the offensive line? Is it just the, the Matower kid who's not being consistent enough? Is it the fact that we're missing Wanya Morris? I don't have those answers. All I know is that they need to figure this out soon because once conference play starts, uh, you're not going to have a whole lot of time to fix things or to experiment with things. Now's the time to get it fixed because if this program wants to win a Big 12 championship this year, you're going to have to be pretty sound in the trenches on both sides of the football. Now, granted, they were able to figure some things out. They were able to get the, they were able to run the ball a little bit more. Some questions of whether Marcus Major should, should be getting more, you know, first string reps, so to speak. Uh, Eric Gray, I still think, is doing a good job, but. Major just making people miss, making people look stupid this past Saturday was a lot of fun. Dylan Gabriel, you know, in the first half, um, having some moments where, uh, you know, maybe he needs to get rid of the ball. Trying to play too much hero ball, holding on to it too long, taking some interesting sacks. Uh, not ideal. But, uh, you know, again, two weeks into installing a brand new offense, a new defense. I'm willing to let things go a little bit. But right now, you're going on the road against a team that desperately is looking for something to make them feel better about themselves, desperately needing a win that would save the program. And then you start conference play at home the week after that against a really good Kansas State team. That game is not going to be easy. That game is not a guaranteed win just because it's at home. Kansas State has walked into your house 
multiple times in the past decade and come out with W's, regardless of who the coach is. So need to be prepared for that in the next couple weeks when we get really get going and try to win a Big 12 championship. Uh, Marvin Mims had a great game, finally looking like the guy we, we were expecting a couple years ago. Uh, Theo Weiss got into the action, still trying to get guys like Farouk and Jane Gibson involved late in the game. Just got to give it time. I think they'll come around at, at some point, but uh, you have some weapons out there. You got to find a way to utilize them because, again, conference play coming up. Defensively, Danny Stutzman just continues to be awesome. I think he's becoming a leader on this defense. Uh, Reggie Grimes as well. He keeps on racking up numbers. Um, overall, the D-line's playing fairly well. Linebacker play, I'm a little concerned about Deshaun White. A little inconsistent there. Uh, the secondary, I'm actually really pleased with. Key Lawrence was unavailable for this game. Had a tweak hamstring, according to Brent Venables. Hopefully he'll be back soon. I get a little nervous when anyone says it's a hamstring issue because those things can linger a little bit. You just kind of have to wait for them to heal. Hopefully it's not too serious. And again, on the other side of the ball, Wanya Morris will be back, supposedly, hopefully. And we'll see how that offensive line shores up. But overall, you're two weeks in. You still have some things to work on. You feel like you can get better. You don't feel like anything on this football team is unfixable. So just got to keep coaching, got to keep developing and hope that your season turns out the way you want it to, because boy, a lot of other teams have had some rough starts and let's just segue into the game. We all want to talk about Texas and Alabama, because I, and along with many other people assume this would be a blowout. So I'll eat my crow there. I, I listen, there was not a day that didn't go by last week where I went to bed hoping they would destroy you down there in Austin. I was really hoping for that. But that didn't come true. And I'm actually okay with that because this also fits another pattern that Texas has followed for years. What is the one thing the Longhorns always seem that are always capable of doing? Because I keep hearing at times, well, they don't have the talent in certain areas to do this, despite their highly rated recruiting classes. Uh-huh. Texas has the ability to get up for the big game. Because you, a few years ago, back in 2019, all I heard about was, well, <laughs> you better watch out because Texas almost beat LSU. Number one team in the country may have heard them. We almost beat LSU. Really? Because now I'm hearing, <laughs> look at Texas, almost beat number one Alabama. Better watch out, Oklahoma. You know we're going to hear that for the next four weeks. And I can't wait to see the end result of that one. But I digress. Let's talk about this game. I heard Steve Sarkeesian in the post game get up on the podium and say, you know, we didn't really lose. We just ran out of time. I didn't realize that Steve Sarkeesian also went to my middle school and also bought t-shirts designed by and one. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah you didn't, you never lose. You just ran out of time. He he's practically quoting memes on 1990s t-shirts stuff. I wore in middle school. Now that might be a message you want to give to your team in the locker room, but when you come out in the press conference, or the podium, you say stuff like that. I'm not really impressed. I am impressed. You were able to keep it that close. What I'm not impressed by is like the whining I'm seeing from your bought and paid for media about how the referees screwed you over in this game. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. The 15 penalties that Alabama had uh, wasn't worse, but the refs were against you. Now, look, 
I will sit here all day and defend you on that abysmal call in the end zone that probably should have been a safety where they, it was roughing the passer with targeting, but it wasn't targeting and it gave him a chance. Like, look, that, that was a gigantic screw up. I'm not going to pretend it wasn't. But what I'm also not going to pretend doesn't exist are the flags that were thrown in your favor near the end of the first half when, oh, you could have had a chance to punch it in the end zone or, you know, not miss a chip shot field goal. Oops, that actually happened. Earlier in that first half, when Quinn Ewers was healthy, more on that in a moment, you your superstar receiver drops a wide open touchdown pass in the end zone that would have put you up seven to three. Oh, wait, that was that on the refs or was that on you? So I just gave you 10 points you could have had that you settled for a field goal on that for, on that touchdown that dropped that dropped in the end zone. But again, I just gave you seven points you could have had that likely would have given you the W in this game. Do not sit here and tell me that the referee screwed you over in this game. Did you have a couple of key injuries? Yes, you had a one-legged quarterback, and by God, you probably should have won the game. Not going to sit here and pretend you shouldn't have. But again, it wasn't the ref's fault. This was on you. This was the near-perfect storm for Texas to win a game like this. Alabama walked in there, did not respect their opponent. They played lackadaisical. They made very silly and stupid mistakes. And Bryce Young had to put the entire team on his back late in the game and lead them to victory. And then when his and then when Alabama players are throwing the horns down on the field, Nick Saban almost exploded. Spontaneous combustion almost took place at DKR. So both teams did not normally play up to what they're usually what their MO is. Texas played up to their opponent, and boy, Alabama did not, for a second, respect the Texas Longhorns, and that was a huge mistake. And we'll see how this game, how this season turns out for both of them. Is Alabama going to be as good as advertised? Are they just going to be able to win a few close games throughout the year and still make the SEC championship and still make the playoff? You know, history shows they will. But uh, I have a feeling teams like Arkansas and Tennessee might give them a little run for their money because Tennessee came close last year. Gave them a hell of a game for three quarters. We'll see how that turns out. But for Texas, this game is not going to define your season. It's not going to show how good you are either because the problem for Texas isn't these type of games. You can get up for the big non-conference games. You get up for the OU game. The problem is, is for games that you're going to play this Saturday against UT San Antonio. Those are the games that are going to define this football team. And again, we don't, as I'm recording this, I don't know the status of Hudson Card. Because we know Quinn Ewers is out for at least a month. But Hudson Card had a bum ankle, maybe he'll give it a go, who knows. But UT San Antonio could walk in there and beat you. <laughs> they almost beat Houston. They had a shootout with Army. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're an all-world defense or an all just a world beater but they're good enough to walk in there and give you a problem so again despite the fact that you lost this game what are you going to do with this are you going to like feel sorry for yourselves or are you going to use this as motivation for the rest of the season we'll find out on saturday because i know the excuses will be ready to go oh quinn's hurt hudson's still hurt Okay, you still have 
way more talent than UT San Antonio. Will we be able to get up for that game? We'll see. Moving on to other moments in college football this weekend. Let's go to College Station. As much as I enjoy watching the Texas Longhorns suffer, I get an equal amount of enjoyment, if not more enjoyment, seeing Texas A&M just throw up all over themselves on their home field. But this wasn't the number one team in the country. No disrespect to Appalachian State. Back in the day when they were on the FCS 1AA level winning national championships, they took a little bump up to the FBS level. And not shocking, they're not setting the world on fire in the Fun Belt. But boy, did the Sun Belt have a great weekend. And it started here. Because Texas A&M, for all their oil money, for all the talent they've accumulated over the past couple of years, the greatest recruiting class ever, and you still can't find a quarterback. Or maybe you can't find a quarterback who can, you know, efficiently run your outdated decade-old offense. Because Haynes King, let's just come out and say it, he sucks. He is awful. There is an argument to be made who is the worst quarterback in the SEC right now. It's either Haynes King or Spencer Rattler, and I'm putting my money on Haynes King. Because I watched that Sam Houston game, and despite Texas A&M winning that game with a long weather delay and everything, I was not impressed. I looked at that football game against Sam Houston State and was like, my God, a team with a pulse is going to beat Texas A&M at some point this season. And lo and behold, I circled that A&M Appalachian State game. I don't know if I said it on the pod here or if I said it on Twitter. I said it somewhere. You know what? Everyone's going to be watching Pitt and Tennessee, and I get that, but my 330 game is going to be A&M and Appalachian State because I saw how many points they put up on North Carolina, who they're, they're abysmal. Let's just not, <laughs> let's not mince words here. But I'm going to watch that game just to see what happens. I did not expect an upset. I didn't have the, I didn't have the cojones to pull the trigger on that. I wish I had. Oh, I wish you would go, go put some money on that game. But here's what's sad. All this all-world talent you have, as much of te- as Texas has, if not even more, out if you take away a kick return on touch, for a touchdown, your offense put up seven points on Appalachian State. North Carolina put 60-plus on them. What's your excuse? I, I'm, you should, this was a home, it was a sunny day at home. All of a sudden, you're ripe for an upset? I, I just, and this is a team I'm supposed to fear going into Southeastern Conference play in a few years. This is who I'm supposed to be afraid of? Jimbo Fisher is slowly losing this football program. He is very slowly being exposed for the fraud he is. I'm sick of hearing about, well, you can't criticize Jimbo Fisher. He won a national championship. Yeah, and we're going on 10 years since he did that. And the quarterback that he, well, you're saying he can't coach quarterbacks. What about Jameis? Jameis Winston was an athletic freak. He was, he was, he was, he was a Heisman Trophy winner. He was really, really good. Other than that, please show me the list of guys that he's coached up, that he's won big with. I'll wait. I'm still waiting. No? Okay, let's move on. Texas A&M, you're in big trouble. That Alabama game, 
I don't know. Both those teams might have multiple losses by the time we get to that one. Who knows? <laughs> There's always a possibility. Notre Dame, uh, Marcus Freeman, you got to feel bad. His starting quarterback is out for the year, by the way. That news just dropped as I'm recording this. So Notre Dame not having to have a good time. And uh, Oklahoma's on the verge of poaching a five-star safety from them, the way things are going. So it's about to get even worse. But uh, if you're Ohio State... I might be a little concerned because you struggled against a Notre Dame team that just lost to Marshall at home. So, you know, and that one was on Peacock. So you, if you, unless you were subscribed to that horrible, horrendous streaming services, that is Peacock. It's, it's terrible. People, people complained about ESPN plus this week with the Kent state game. No, I, I hate Peacock more, but I, I just Notre Dame. Oh, and two Marcus Freeman yet to win a, a game as head coach. Coach the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State, drop that one. Okay, understandable. Lose on the road to Ohio State. Okay, no one's going to hold that against you. You come home, you lose to Marshall. You better get a W soon, but now your starting quarterback is out. Notre Dame now. Everyone's thinking, oh, Notre Dame will beat USC this year. Uh, it's looking the opposite right now. So USC is going to get some wins this year just based on how they're looking right now. I'm not saying they're going to feed or anything, but you know, at some point... You know, you look at that schedule. I don't know. <laughs> that, that looks like a, it looks like an Oklahoma out West team that could potentially sneak in there. But that's two weeks in. We'll see how things develop through the rest of the year. But, uh, you know, Notre Dame going down, Texas barely losing, um, and so on and so on. But I, I think we have to end it with this. Let's talk about Nebraska. Scott Frost gets fired, losing to Georgia Southern. And if I was, I'm being silly. I'm being, I'm having a little fun here because I'm not saying this is true. But if I was Scott Frost and, you know, the the buyout for my contract goes down in October, what if I wanted to make sure I got that extra seven or $8 million? How can I get myself fired? Not with cause because they can take your money away. What could I do? Could I just, just coach half-ass? A little bit, make sure I get my extra cash from a little nest egg. Losing to Georgia Southern, that would get Trev Alberts and the, and the Board of Regents and the donors all mad, right? Well, regardless if that's how it went down or not, that's what that's what happened. They just embarrassed themselves in front of their home crowd yet again. And they ha- and they just had enough. And the problem I have with all of this is if you're willing to do this, because all I heard was, well, they gotta wait for the buyout date and everything so they can save some money. You're Nebraska football. You're in the Big Ten. You're about to make $100 million a year on TV revenue. And you're worried about $7.5 million? Why did it take you so long? You knew this wasn't going to work last year. And he's like, well, we got to get... No, you don't. You never had to. And this proves it right here. Now... You're in the middle of a coaching search. Your season is a failure. I don't know Mickey Joseph is going to lead them to victory this week and save the season, but Mickey Joseph is a guy who is the only reason you have a shot at a highly a highly touted in-state kid in Malachi Coleman. And Mickey Joseph can't promise the kid he's going to keep the job after this year because you know Trev Alberts is going to go out there and try to find a legit head coach to save this program. Because... The problem with Nebraska football is that they're becoming very, very irrelevant. And they've been irrelevant for a while now. 
But you know what the problem is? The easy way to explain it. All the big time programs, the blue blood programs, the ones you remember historically all have great moments. You know, the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Alabama, Notre Dame, you know, Ohio, whatever. Find me a great Nebraska Cornhusker moment in HD. I want you to really think about it. What is the, find me a great moment in Nebraska Cornhusker football history that was filmed in HD. That's your problem. We've been, we've had HD TV on the reg for 17 years now. And you, th- those moments that I just mentioned are far and few between, or they just plain don't exist. So everyone else that I mentioned has had great moments in HD. And now we're moving to 4k fairly soon in the next 10 years or everyone's going to, the norm will be 4k television. So you need, if you're Trev Alberts, you need to get on the phone and find someone quick. I know Matt Campbell is the hot name right now. I don't know if that's the answer. Maybe uh, really swing for the fences and go for Urban Meyer and you forget all of his transgressions and all of his like horrible, immoral, immoral behavior. But man, Nebraska football is slowly becoming a dead program that <laughs> can't be resurrected at all. Uh, you would need an act of God, the genie from Aladdin, something to save this football team because if you don't do it soon, I don't know what else can because your recruiting region does not have a lot of high talent, highly touted kids to recruit from. Uh, you don't have the pipeline from Texas like you did in the Big 12 and you're going to get that Big 10 money, but at some point, you know, you're just I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else they can do because you brought in a guy that was supposed to be your hero, the last guy to quarterback you to a national championship. And he failed. Where do you go from there? Because these are dark, dark days for Nebraska. And the problem is, I don't see it getting any better anytime soon. So, all that being said, hope you all enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, You know, subscribe, like, all those good things that podcasters say. Uh, I'll be back either later in the week or next week. And to recap week three, uh, OUK State uh, kickoff time just dropped uh, 7 Central on Fox for uh, the 24th. So, hey, a night game. How about that? What are the odds? We might have to throw a parade for getting a night game for OU. A conference night game. So, I'm going to celebrate that. Hope everyone had a good time listening to the podcast. This is the Believe in OU podcast. I'm Sean Forrester, and I'll catch you all next time.